Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. I am stoked that you could join us today because we're going to be talking about a topic that every one of us needs to care about. I mean, we all eat, we all purchase our food from somewhere, unless you are a rancher, farmer, dairy farmer, and, you know, home gardener all in one, you purchase food from somewhere. And today we have two executives from the one of the largest grocery chains in the United States, Safeway Corporation, with us. They have done some amazing things, not just to get their stores green and sustainable, but to actually work with their suppliers, the people who bring in products and the goods and the produce and the meat that you buy in their stores, and they've done some really amazing things to make that process sustainable as well. Our guests today are Don Davidson. He's the Vice President of Strategic Sourcing for Safeway Corporation. And Mike Vincent, who's the Director of Supply Chain Sustainability. And I'm thrilled to death to have them on because some of the things that you may be thinking as you go through the grocery store this weekend about how you could be purchasing more sustainable products in the grocery store or purchasing things that have been sourced in a healthy and sustainable way, they're going to be answering those questions for you. If you have some questions that you'd like to ask, we'll give you a call-in number in just a little bit. But you can also tweet me at, at Jill Buck, and that's another way to get your questions answered, and I'll ask Don and Mike to answer those questions. But welcome, gentlemen. I'm so glad you can be on the show. Well, thanks for having us. Good morning. Well, Don, Don I'm going to start with you because I did my research, did my homework, and I looked on your website, and it says that in 2009, you took an important step in your effort to support zero-waste business activities by increasing the use of recycled PET plastic in your Eating Right and Safeway Select brand packaging. But before we get to the packaging itself, what does it mean to, quote-unquote, support zero-waste business activities? Well, that's a good question because it can be answered a number of ways. Um, But the way we view it is, you know, really supporting zero-waste activities does not necessarily mean you have a zero-waste product line or operation, but it's about taking a step in the journey to get to zero waste. So the project you were referring to was when we converted the trays for our single-serve entrees for our Eating Right and Safeway Select um, product lines in the frozen aisle, and we moved from 100% virgin plastic to incorporate a minimum of 17% PCR, which is post-consumer recycled content. So that move alone did not turn that product into a zero-waste business, but it was a significant move to reduce the carbon impact of those products, and it takes us one step along that journey. So really when you talk about 
what's it mean to support zero waste activities, you're making steps within your supply chain to reduce the environmental impact and take one step closer towards that zero waste goal. Well, and I think most reasonable people would agree with you that, you know, you, you can't create a zero waste product line or business overnight. It is a step by step process. And so, uh, I applaud you on that, that big step forward. Now, Mike, you were instrumental in this process of converting to recycled PET. Talk to us and tell our listeners about some of the challenges that you had to overcome in order to institute that initiative. Sure, Jill. Before we uh, uh, delved into this particular project, uh, Don and I collaborated to uh, develop a, a supplier policy that outlined the requirements for the use of recycled content because whether it be, like in this case, on a frozen food entree uh, where we incorporated it into the CPET tray or in other cases, we wanted to have a standardized approach uh, to how we dealt with qualification of such material. Uh, the, re- the policy has the requirements, of course, that it is uh, regulatory approved by the FDA, and they list uh, uh, the uh, materials that have been approved for food contact uh, on their website. Uh, we also uh, uh, require the supplier to do extraction studies in compliance with that policy, and that they would do ongoing testing uh, on an annual basis to support the, the material's uh, suitability for use or fit for use. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also uh, ask that they uh, make sure that any uh, of the recycled content, if we have a claim, that it is always met. In other words, we can exceed that claim, but we can never be below it. Uh, and in this case, uh, uh, we incorporated a minimum of 17% recycled content into those trays. Mm-hmm. We also had to, uh, of course, you have to performance test new, new packaging before you uh, um, go to the market. So we worked with... Uh, our uh, contract manufacturer to ensure that uh, the uh, the trays were fit for use and and worked in their manufacturing facility. From there, we did distribution testing of the package to make sure it was uh, uh, durable enough to withstand the uh, the rigors of distribution in a frozen food environment. Uh, we shipped the product uh, uh, from the manufacturer to our uh, Tracy location. We inspected the product post shipment uh, and compared it to the existing tray. It performed uh, as good or better. And then we took it to a, a lab we work with uh, in the Bay Area that did shock and vibration testing. And that's a little tricky when you're dealing with a frozen product because uh, you have to do that testing in a frozen environment. So we literally have like a cryogenic uh, chamber mounted on a shock and vibration table where we did that distribution testing. And uh, post-shock post, post uh, uh, and vibe, we inspected again. Uh, and uh, the, the package has proved to be durable enough to, to go to the market. So uh, with all that done, we were confident with it, and we've been in, uh, in the market with it for over a year now. Wow. Mike, how long did that entire process take? That's a rigorous pro- pro- you know, process. Well, you know, from concept to commercialization, probably about a year. Um, I was originally made aware of uh, the ability to incorporate uh, recycled polyester into the CPET trays by a colleague of mine in the industry. He's actually uh, um, an alumni from Michigan State like myself, and uh, uh, I was boo, made aware of Boo, boo, I'm an I'm a Illini alum. <laughs> <laughs> Big Ten hey, rivalry. Well, Big Ten. <laughs> Even though we can't count with 12 teams. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm curious, Mike, you know, you have a lot of experience in this industry. What kind of interaction do you have to have with the FDA in order to bring something like this to market? Well, we we are not qualifying the resin ourselves, so our interaction is more just to reference uh, 
the Reese list to see uh, to make sure that the materials are approved. It would be up to the uh, the resin developers themselves to get approval for their material for the application that they're intending to market for. So they have pretty good websites that, uh, you know, I just bookmark the right sites to do that referencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and Don, I'm just curious, you know, for the everyday consumer, you know, I'm kind of a geeky person when it comes to green stuff. I get all excited about these topics. But for the average consumer who's going to be going to a grocery store, um, maybe one of your affiliates this weekend to buy their typical grocery items, how can you explain to them what the main benefit to their family and to the planet might be that would be realized by a large grocery chain like yours moving to recycle PET plastic for these particular food items? Well, uh, you know, another good question. And since I'm not, um, you know, a geeky person like yourself, I might <laughs> answer this correctly. Hey, geeks uh, are cool. <laughs> when you use recycled content, like um, our pet, it's really like reusing something that's already been produced or paid for. There's a lot of energy that goes into producing plastic for the first time, and obviously the more you can reuse something, um, you know, like the plastic, the less um, new energy that's required. Yes, you need to use some energy to sort and sterilize and, and clean the recycled material, but it's a lot less energy that's required to do that than to produce brand new plastic from a petroleum or even a bio-based type of source. So it has a huge carbon reduction benefit um, when you incorporate recycled content into products um, and plastics. It's also important, um, you know, that we create recycled markets for these products. So, you know, you as a consumer, you may be putting, um, you know, your plastic materials into your recycling bin that your, your city or your county hauler is picking up. And it's important that we have a home for that because there's not a big point in recycling as a consumer unless this product, this material can go somewhere. So we really want to create markets um, so we can kind of close the loop in the whole recycling process. That's perfect. And, you know, a lot of people don't talk about it that way. I mean, we talk about recycling and recycling and we teach it in schools, we teach families. But the bottom line is if there's nowhere for all that recycled material to go, then we're not doing the planet any favors because we can't store that stuff indefinitely. And if it doesn't have a product to go into, another life uh, of the product to be um, realized, then our recycling efforts are for naught. Um, You know, Mike, I was looking at your bio, and I encourage our listeners to check out the catalog of guests that I've had on the show. But Mike's Mike Vincent, you'll find it under V, as our as our guest today, his bio is really impressive. There was just a lot to see in there. But one of the lines that really popped out at me is that part of your duties are to develop corporate-wide supply chain sustainability KPI metrics and reporting standards that are used to measure the impacts of initiatives like this recycled PET plastic in your product line. I'm curious, what are the KPIs or key performance indicators for your packing uh, packaging initiatives? Sure, Jill. The, uh, you know, the, when I got into the packaging business, we used to say re, reuse, reduce, recycle. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, while we've uh, gone a little deeper than that and, and as we've uh, matured with our understanding, uh, those are still uh, the main things that we measure. So in terms of source reduction or packages that we reuse, we use the, uh, the EPA tools uh, that are available on their website, uh, which include... Uh, the warm tool, so in the case of a source reduction or a reuse package, 
that warm tool uh, allows us to calculate the carbon impact. And then we usually will we'll pick some other analogous metric that uh, helps it relate to the consumer. Uh, often we'll use the number of the equivalency of the number of cars off the road that the uh, uh, the carbon impact is equivalent to to mm-hmm. kind of make it tangible to the consumer. Uh, the other uh, area we we use the recon tool in the case of recycled content, like we've been discussing this morning. Uh, so that recon recycled content tool also allows us to do that carbon uh, that carbon impact study. Uh, we just simply have to put the number of uh, uh, tons or, or uh, pounds of material that we uh, we either source reduce or re- uh, use recycled content, and and that will give us those carbon impacts. And again, mm-hmm. we can make it tangible to the consumer with an equivalency. Uh, the other uh, tool we use often is on their SmartWay uh, website, and uh, that's for calculating freight mile reduction. Uh, you may be aware we have uh, uh, a local sourcing uh, program for our uh, produce, and uh, of course, we're you know uh, the majority of our stores are located uh, uh, in California and uh, on the West Coast, so we're very uh, um, much the beneficiary of uh, the breadbasket here that is California. So we can. Uh, uh, get our produce locally sourced, and we're often trying to support our strategic sourcing efforts with suppliers that are uh, closer to our facilities, taking freight miles off the road. Mm-hmm. Who gets would- to see those numbers, Mike? I'm just curious. Um, you know, is that is that just held internally? Is it in your annual report? I mean, if consumers want to see those numbers and say, "Wow, the store that I shop at is saving X amount of greenhouse gas emissions," where is that visible? Yeah, we, we do have a website where our uh, corporate social responsibility report is available, and that will talk uh, about some of the projects we've commercialized, but it's not uh, by any means a comprehensive list. Mm-hmm. We keep tracking uh, these metrics internally to, uh, uh, to track how we're doing against our goals, and we house those goals in four areas. At Safely, our CSR effort is organized in, into four pillars, people, community, product, and planet. And in the planet and the product area, we use these carbon reduction metrics uh, extensively to track against our goals on those teams. That's fantastic. Well, we've got to take a quick commercial break, folks. But when we come back, much, much more Go Green Radio on the flip side. So don't go away. More Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you're just joining us today, we have two exciting guests who are from Safeway Corporation. They are one of the largest grocery chains in the United States. We have the Vice President of Strategic Sourcing, Don Davidson, and the Director of Sustainable Supply Chain, Mike Vincent. Now, Mike, besides being an awesome local baseball coach, and anybody who's walked into Mike's office knows this without him saying a word. He loves baseball and he coaches kids. He's really awesome at that. You also have six patents for packaging and processing food. I think that's really amazing. I'd love for you to talk to our listeners about some of your innovations and uh, how they relate to Safeway's sustainability goals. Sure. Uh, most of the, Typically, the uh, innovations that I have uh, been involved with in my career have been in response to uh, problems. Uh, maybe a problem with a product that wasn't protected properly or didn't function well, uh, or maybe a problem in the supply chain. Uh, the, the, the product was more fragile than it needed to be or something along that line. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to pretend to be this great innovator who's always thinking about the next big thing. It's usually been just tangible solutions to problems that uh, uh, were commercially feasible. Uh, so I enjoy that kind of work, kind of being a fix-it guy by nature, I guess. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's various things we're working on here at Safeway where I've been able to apply those, uh, those skill sets. Uh, That's awesome. One area that I've uh, been working in is in the cereal category. And uh, I've often been a little troubled that the packaging uh, is, seems, uh, you know, often I think of that category as an over-packaged category and ripe for some source reduction or better cubulization. Uh, I think we all grew up having cereal in the morning with the big box on the uh, uh, on the table in front of us, and uh, it's a great uh, uh, medium for marketing and advertising, getting kids uh, interested in, in eating in the morning and so on. But we've learned it also has an environmental cost. So where we have uh, a primary package like the inner liner bag and the uh, secondary package like the folding carton that we typically see on the shelf, and then there's a corrugated case that is used to distribute those packages. Uh, it's in, in, As a whole... It's a fairly intensive uh, packaging category uh, in terms of its uh, uh, material use for the amount of product. So uh, in that category, we've, we've, uh, we have offerings that are in stand-up pouches without a box. Uh, our Safely Select uh, granolas, for example, are marketed in that way. And I think that's a nice source reduction story. And we get more product on a truck, which also allows us to take freight miles off the road. 
we're That's actually fantastic. working uh, on some things that are not yet on the market. But in general, we're trying to find solutions to that problem. And we're looking mm-hmm. into imparting the right barriers into the, actually the carton itself. So I guess my mantra has been either we need to get rid of the, the bag or the carton. We don't need them both. So hmm. in addition to our flexible pouch, we're, we're trying to uh, uh, study and analyze the impact of creating a package that uh, uh, would not have the inner bag but also still give you fresh product, uh, pourability, and the other you know, functionality aspects of uh, a package, which, of course, is to protect the product, communicate to the consumer, and, and do, uh, move the product to the market in the most efficient manner. Mm-hmm. And to make that kind of a product offering palatable to consumers who are looking for exactly that, who, you know, as they go down the cereal aisle, may not realize that, hey, that different looking package over there is in alignment with my own, you know, life goals to reduce my carbon footprint or reduce my environmental footprint. And by purchasing that versus the triple, you know, packaged cereal that's in a box and an inner liner and comes in a corrugated cardboard box when they know that, um, you know, hopefully this cadre of green consumers that we keep hearing about will prefer that kind of product packaging. And that'll be a benefit to uh, to innovators like Safeway. You know, Don, as the Vice President of Strategic Sourcing for Safeway, part of your role is to work with suppliers to help them improve their level of sustainability. And I'm curious, how receptive is your supply chain to being measured for their sustainable business practices? Well, before I answer that, I'll say that most suppliers are very receptive to um, you know, looking at their carbon footprint and um, being proactive on sustainability. But you asked the question, how um, open are suppliers to being measured? And that's where it gets a little tricky uh, mm-hmm. because the question always comes back, well, what are you going to do with the measurement? Are you going to use it against me? Are you going to share it publicly? Where does it go? And there's a bit of a paranoia that comes with that. So once you cross that hurdle of assuring the supplier that, you know, we're going to use the measurement to drive improvement, we're not going to use the measurement to, um, you know, to embarrass you or to, to try to make a public issue out of it, then people get on board. And as long as um, what you're trying to measure is not so resource intensive or cumbersome from a process perspective, most suppliers are very open to it. In other words, if they don't have to hire a new person just to comply with your program. Yeah, exactly. That, There's been programs, measurement programs out there that literally would have required a, you know, a, a grower of tomatoes to hire an army of people just to measure what they're doing. And, you know, that mm-hmm. doesn't make business sense. So you have to come up with metrics that they can incorporate and handle within their own resource uh, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What would you consider your greatest success stories to be among your suppliers? Who do you want to brag on? <laughs> well, th- there's a couple. One is, uh, you know, from an industry perspective, you know, we were very proud of the move that the entire industry made, not just our suppliers, but suppliers that supply everybody and all retailers in the laundry category when we went from what we called from 1X to 2X. So we went f- to a concentrated liquid laundry detergent. That was a huge sustainability move, and it really took the village, meaning the entire industry, to do it. So all of the national brands, our private label, our own consumer brands, um, and each retailer made that move to drive it because it was the right thing to do from a sustainability perspective. You get the same number of wash loads, just a lot less water that's being transported around. 
Mm-hmm. So that was one example the entire industry participated. Um, there's a couple of other areas that we're very proud of that are specific to Safeway. Um, one is our reusable plastic container program, or RPCs. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping Mike gets a chance to talk about that in a little more detail because that's something that he's uh, played a key lead at Safeway in uh, in rolling out. And the other is on our own consumer brand um, paper products, our highest volume um, paper towels, bath tissue, and Kleenex. We've moved um, that product line to become FSC and Rainforest Alliance certified for those paper products. So mm-hmm. we were very excited and proud to make that move, and it's, those labels are just coming out into the marketplace now. Oh, that is exciting. We'll talk more about paper a little bit later. But, Mike, let's go ahead. Talk about the RPC program. Oh, the RPC program has been a real journey. Um, We have, first off, we're not new to RPCs. Uh, Returnable plastic containers or returnable product containers uh, have been in use for years. Uh, I think most of us uh, maybe even remember some milk crates in our dorm room and whatnot. I have no idea what you're talking about. None whatsoever. <laughs> Way too young for that. <laughs> uh, so we, we distribute our, uh, our our gallon milk packaging, our half gallon milk packaging. Many of the juice was produced at our dairy plants in milk crates. Uh, we have milk crates. I've seen the dates on them that are still you know still in use. They're 30 years old. They're very robust. They're very durable. We uh, you know, rewash them and reuse them again and again. We do the same thing in our bread plants with bread trays. And uh, general merchandise and liquor is also distributed from our DCs to the stores in tote bins. So we have many applications already, and we realize the benefit. We, we actually uh, commissioned a study uh, through uh, Cal Poly's consortium uh, that we're members of where we did a, a life cycle inventory, and we realized that, that the, use of, the reuse of the milk crates versus a corrugated or versus uh, there was a new uh, milk container that was so robust it didn't need corrugated or a milk crate, but it took so much plastic, uh, it was so much heavier in, in weight in the primary package that it was actually, uh, it performed uh, uh, not as well as our packaging from a carbon footprint standpoint. Uh, so we knew that, uh, and we have applied that initially to the produce area. Uh, there are about, about 40 different uh, produce items that we're now getting in RPCs, and we've been rolling this program out. We started in Arizona, and in July we got through the NorCal division. Uh, so we've got over 75% of the divisions now uh, converted to RPCs on these produce items. About 75% of those produce items are, um, they come in waxed boxes, and that's because many of the produces, uh, or produce that we buy is, is packed in a manner called wet packing. Literally, field corn, after it's harvested, within, uh, within an hour is put on ice. And that ice keeps it, uh, brings the field heat out and makes the produce as fresh as possible. So uh, those wet pack boxes are very heavy, they're very expensive, and they're used only one time. Uh, we don't throw those away, however. We use those in our compost program, and they are compostable. Uh, however, uh, that's only done in a commercial-type uh, environment. Uh, so we're trying to design out that uh, waste out of the system initially by specifying RPCs on these wet pack products. Mm-hmm. It has a huge carbon impact. What is the environmental impact? I mean, how do you know that the RPC program is making a difference? How do you quantify that? 
Well, we measure it uh, extensively, um, and uh, on a monthly basis, uh, we get in the data, and uh, uh, we just plug it into a, a spreadsheet that we developed. In fact, we had an intern from uh, Chico, a master's degree business student, who helped us uh, this summer with that tracking sheet, and uh, we found it very useful to uh, help summarize the impact of, of the project. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a consumer and I go into a Safeway or one of your other brands, Vons, Dominic's, Pavilions, what am I going to see going on in the produce department that's different um, now that you've, you know, as you're rolling out? I know that you haven't done it in every store, but what am I going to see that I that's different than what I would have seen maybe a year ago in terms of the produce section? Well, from an RPC pro- uh, program, this is actually the distribution package, so the consumers don't see it. Um, okay. we, we still merchandise our apples and uh, nice pyramids, and we like to, uh, to make the consumer shopping experience as uh, uh, enjoyable as possible. Uh, so we don't just put the uh, product out in these bins. Uh, there are some uh, more club store-type uh, uh, operations that may do that. Uh, so the consumer doesn't really see that, but we are measuring the impact on product quality uh, first to ensure that we didn't have any reduction in product quality associated with the change in packaging, but going forward, we're looking at more as an opportunity uh, to reduce any shrink. We use the term shrink in the grocery store for product that becomes unsaleable, and unfortunately, that does happen with perishable products. So we're trying to minimize the amount of, of shrink with this program as well. Fantastic. Well, folks, we're going to be taking a quick commercial break here in just a moment. But when we come back, we're going to hear lots more about how Safeway Corporation is going green and making your shopping experience a more sustainable one. So don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. i got to give a quick shout-out to all my Facebook friends. If you want to join us on an awesome and multinational discussion that we've been having in the Go Green Face Space, all you have to do is hit my website at gogreeninitiative.org and click on the button that says Join Us on Facebook. We are having a blast. We've got folks from several different countries who are constantly providing us content. We have great conversations going, and I want to thank you guys for listening in today. Today we're talking to Mike and Don uh, from Safeway Corporation. And if you shop at Safeway, Vons, Pavilions, Pick and Save out in Chicago, I'm going to try and say this right with my Chicago accent, Dominic's, that you are the beneficiary of the work that they're talking about in terms of making the products and the, the whole entire operation that you're shopping at more sustainable, greener, and basically healthier for the planet and your family. So we're really glad to have them on. Before we went to break, Mike was talking about their reusable packaging containers, the way that instead of bringing everything in in one-time-use containers like big corrugated boxes, there's still some of that, but they're trying to transition to containers that could be used again and again for some of their products. As you know, you've probably seen uh, you know, milk coming in that way, sometimes eggs. You might see the, the shelves that are stocked uh, in the beverage aisle, in the, you know, you know, your sodas and whatnot coming in in plastic reusable containers, and Safeway's trying to extend that to their produce market. Now, Mike, you were going to talk about some of the environmental impact data on that program. Go ahead and hit us with that. Sure. Just to summarize, uh, this project uh, we started in September of 2010, so we just recently concluded uh, uh, accounting for the data through August of 2011, so we kind of got a nice uh, year into the program. So far, we've, uh, we've, we've, we've uh, tracked over 3 million RPC turns uh, in the project, and that is equivalent. Uh, the impact of that uh, was over 6 million pounds of corrugated being diverted from our supply chain. If we don't wow. use it in the first place, we don't have anything to, uh, you know, we don't, we, we don't have to uh, either c- compost it, recycle it, et cetera. So we always think by designing out any waste at the beginning is, is uh, the most effective. Uh, that, as I mentioned, uh, in the case of... Uh, uh, we, uh, this project, we're using the warm tool to calculate that that, that is equivalent to over 13,000 metric tons of carbon reduction, and which is uh, equivalent to taking 
about uh, 2,472 cars off the road annually. So it has a pretty big impact. That sure does. That's amazing. And that's just one year's worth of data, right? Correct. And, and in fact, um, we expect the program to be bigger because, for example, our most recent month was 50% higher the August than it was in July. As I mentioned, uh, NorCal was a big division for us, and we converted NorCal in July. So uh, we're about 75% converted, uh, and uh, when we get it fully converted, we'll have a better idea of the overall impact of the project. But we're not stopping with just produce. We have our eye on other categories as well. Mike, you rock. That is awesome. Way to go. Hey, Don, I've got a question for you. You know, you're vice president there at Safeway Corporation, and I hear a similar story across many different industries that, hey, we'd love to go green, but it's too expensive. Now, in the grocery industry, you are operating on a sliver, you know, very small profit margin. Everybody knows that. That's one of the things that makes it difficult to do these kinds of innovations in the grocery industry, and yet... Safeway's doing it. How do you manage to do that and invest in these kinds of innovations and still keep your bottom line intact? Well, first off, thank you for recognizing we have slim profit margins. I'm changing. <laughs> it my doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you for a grant for environmental <laughs> education. You're not off the hook, but go ahead. <laughs> um, because most people don't. Actually, one of the biggest disconnects we have are, you know, people ask us to do something. They're like, well, you're a $40 billion company, go hire 100 people and go get it done. Well, that's not good for business, and that would only increase our prices. We have to charge for groceries. So, But when you look at sustainability, the honest answer is a lot of it is actually good for business. So the whole RPC project that Mike just mentioned, that was not an investment. That was healthy for business um, in the sense that it actually is more efficient for us to run And while I don't want to suggest it was a significant um, cost savings, there was no investment required on our end. So those types of projects we we look for because they're very aligned with what we're trying to accomplish on our end. And we can actually do both, meaning we can go green and we can either save money or we can drive sales. And when your objectives are aligned across the company, you get a tremendous amount of support. So not everything green is a premium or is expensive. Thank you. You know, this is something I have been saying for a long time. Sometimes when you go green, you can save green. And that's where we want to start. We want to start with those initiatives that actually save us money or avoid costs to begin with. So I appreciate your comments there. I want to transition to some of the things you're doing in paper. We mentioned it briefly in the last segment. But, Don, I want to give you a chance to talk about some of the things you have going on with your uh, paper packaging and your recycling of paper products. Tell us more about those initiatives. Well, you know, recycling has been a big initiative at Safeway for many years. Um, and as you look, it's kind of funny. It goes back to the last comment about, you know, sometimes going green is good for your bottom line. When you talk about waste, meaning garbage, you pay for someone to haul your waste away. It's expensive. It's it's an expense for you as a company. When you talk about recycling something, um, especially something like paper, cardboard, you actually generate revenue for that. So it's a smart business decision to reduce the amount of material you put in your trash and to recycle more. Um, It's just good for business. So we have put a tremendous amount of effort into um, reducing the amount that goes into our trash and even into our compost. Um, You know, we're always trying to put the material into a higher value stream and recycle as much as possible. 
So because the value of corrugated has actually gone up with all the increases in commodities, we actually get more money for recycling now than we have in the past. So all of our stores are implementing best practices to recycle as much material that can go into the recycling, take it out of either the trash or the composting, which is good for the environment and good for our business. That's fantastic. Now, what about using uh, certain uh, third-party certifications for the paper products you manufacture or you use in your packaging? What have you decided to do in terms of uh, the kind of forestry initiatives uh, that are out there? What What's your certification of choice, and why did you choose that? Yeah, our you know, it's safe where our first choice is FSC, which is the Forest Stewardship Council. And the reason why that's our, our first choice is it, it's an independent third-party program that we believe has the most, um, you know, structured and prudent programs to support the forest uh, industry and, and um, really make sure we maintain the source of fiber um, for the future. So we've chosen FSC as our preference. The challenge is there is not enough FSC certified pulp or fiber in the world to go around. So if everybody said, okay, let's all go to FSC and, and let's make that a mandate, it's impossible. It would not happen overnight. So while that's our first choice and we're very proud that we've converted our Safeway consumer brand, um, high volume SKUs um, in that direction, we still have a lot of work to do as an industry to figure out how can we get more FSC certified force out there um, and drive that going forward. Interesting, interesting. Now, Mike, there has been a lot of discussion, and we've actually talked about it on Go Green Radio with previous guests, about some of the benefits but also some of the drawbacks of using recycled content paper in packaging. What is Safeway's guideline for the use of recycled content paper? Well, as I mentioned before, of course, it needs to have regulatory approval. Uh, Many of these packages, uh, in terms of paper, tend not to be in intimate contact with the product, so we have a functional barrier between the recycled material and uh, the product. Uh, it may be a wrapper around a uh, uh, frozen uh, ice cream bar uh, or uh, uh, a meal might have a tray with a, with a heat seal lidding on the top of it. So uh, we look at the different, uh, you know, intimate contact with the product has a higher level of concern. Um, we have been able to qualify recycled material into markets that uh, were not traditionally uh, specified as recycled. I'll give you an example. Uh, historically, uh, domestically, uh, consumer packaged goods companies haven't used recycled board in the frozen uh, aisle. Essentially, the uh, uh, in the past, the boards uh, tended to uh, not have the wet strength characteristics that you needed to hold up to that distribution. The paperboard manufacturers and the mills have learned to incorporate sizing agents and, and uh, formulations in that, that allow the uh, paperboard, the recycled paperboard, to be more robust. And in doing so, we've been able to move it into new markets. Uh, we has, had used uh, recycled board on our novelty products made in our ice cream plants in Canada for many, many years. Uh, but it was only recently that we qualified uh, those uh, those sim- similar items in the U.S. to be uh, to specify recycled board paper board. We've been very successful with it. We've had no consumer uh, issues, and we've been able to get uh, the brightness of the board to a level we we think our graphics uh, display uh, in a high quality manner. Mm-hmm. Now you also have uh, 
some unique packaging for your bakery and bread items, glassine, I believe it's called. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, again, sometimes these materials are not new materials. Glassine's been around uh, for almost a a century now. Uh, But it's an interesting material in that it gets the uh, properties uh, which are, it's, it's very durable, it has high grease resistance, and the consumers can actually see our bread through the glassine. It's not a picture-perfect window, but it allows them to kind of recognize that this is a, a loaf of French bread, etc. Uh, so we think that one of the benefits of uh, glassine is it's natural, uh, it's made from renewable resources, and it is compostable. Um, and they get all these properties without any additives to the paper. It's entirely... Uh, achieved by working the pulp and uh, then calendaring it. And calendaring is a, is a, roll, uh, a lower process where they compress the paper to make it very, very strong. And mm-hmm. so, so the, this is a very unique process that imparts these uh, properties without any additives. Well, it's really encouraging to see the level of concern, I mean, the level of detail that Safeway is uh, concerned with on every level of the products that we're receiving. We've got to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Don and Mike about some of the innovations coming in the future and what Safeway has on the horizon. I'm very excited about this segment, so don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you're just joining us or you joined us late and you wish that you would have caught the beginning of this episode, don't worry because we're syndicated on Voice America's Green Living channel and you can catch this episode again next Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and noon to 1 on the East Coast. Everybody in between, do your own math. I hope that you'll join us and you might even recommend this show to some of your colleagues who are interested about learning about what's going on in sustainability when it comes to the grocery industry. And we're talking today to Don and Mike, who are very instrumental in the sustainability of Safeway Corporation, one of the nation's largest grocery chains. And they've just got some amazing things going on. I think we've only brushed to the tip of the iceberg of the kind of sustainability work that Safeway is doing. Um, but I want to kind of ask you guys to look into your crystal ball and give us something to get excited about in terms of what's coming in the future. You know, Don, when you walk into any grocery store, the sheer number of items and the companies they represent makes anybody who knows about supplier management very respectful of what you do. I mean, you've got an incredible portfolio of suppliers to work with. And so, there really is a lot of room for new innovations. There's a lot of things that you can do to make your supply chain more sustainable. What are some of the opportunities and innovations on the horizon that you're particularly excited about? Well, I think when you when you look out further, you're going to see a lot of companies, um, retailers, manufacturers, growers, um, really start to test different things, different types of innovations. I mean, one of the things, um, you know, when you talk about sustainability, there are different people that will argue different sides of any coin. The one area that no one argues about is that the population of this world is growing dramatically, and we are going to need to figure out a way to feed everybody. And so that's where I see some very interesting and innovative opportunities. So every time you've got a challenge, you've got to figure out a solution. And when you start talking about growing more food and how do you grow food in parts of the world that currently you can't due to the climate, um, you know, due to the weather conditions, due to the soil conditions, you need to start looking for different ways of doing that. So one of the areas that we're looking at are things like um, aquaponics and hydroponics where you can literally grow food in a much more local manner um, that is much more sustainable because you use less water and less fertilizers uh, to grow that material. And is that a potential way of growing a significant amount of food for the future? We don't know yet. We think it's kind of exciting. We think it's interesting. Um, it could also be a cheaper way of growing food, um, but it could be a solution to how do we feed the world in you know the next 20 to 40 years. Well, and what's also exciting about that, I mean, we're already seeing a lot of consumers who want to buy food locally, um, you know, they feel like maybe there would be increased safety of the food. You know, it's right there in their own neighborhood. We know, of course, that that reduces the transportation, you know, costs and environmental costs um, to shipping food over long distances and a little bit of food security, too. I mean, you know, for those of us who live in areas of the world where either uh, you could have earthquakes or flooding or something, you know, sometimes uh, in some areas people are cut off from at least temporarily, from shipping lanes that would bring food from long distances to your local grocery store. And the more that you've got right there locally in arm's reach of your grocery outlets, uh, the more secure your food is. So I think that's very exciting that Safeway is not just involved with selling food, but actually where it comes from. I think that's pretty amazing. Mike, was there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. 
Jill, I, I would say that, you know, if you ask me, you know, what keeps me up at night, uh, mm-hmm. that is the number one concern, that is food safety, guaranteeing safe food supply to our consumers and, in fact, to, you know, uh, humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and packaging often, I think, in the whole sustainability thing is a, a bit of a poster child as, uh, you know, the contributor to both environmental litter and to uh, filling up our landfills. However, you know, I, I like to think the packaging is not part of the problem. It's part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing beyond food safety that probably is the most concerning is food scarcity or food waste. It's just not feasible to feed the world through locally grown products 100%. We need to mm-hmm. preserve food to make it uh, to extend its season. Uh, as we all know, if you grow tomatoes organically, like I do at home, you know, it's great in the fall, but what do you do in the winter? You know? That's right. Uh, so, so from that standpoint, uh, techniques to preserve food, such as canning and pasteurization, are important ways that uh, we have or tools that we have to feed the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really respect Safeway's responsiveness to your customers. I mean, you guys really do put your customers first. I remember not too long ago when all of the mommy bloggers, you know, hit you guys and said, hey, take BPA plastic baby bottles out of your stores and you responded you did it and you were you know industry leaders in protecting consumers from something they knew they didn't want and they didn't want other people who might not be as educated as they were to have these products you know uh potentially harming you know their children you guys were very responsive to that don what kinds of ways consumers communicate with you i mean if there's an issue coming up that they feel strongly about it might be gmos or it might be a packaging issue how can they let you know so that you can respond to your consumers about you know what they want to see and what they don't want to see in their Safeway store? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, honestly, the consumer realizes um, how strong of a voice they have because they believe they're just one voice. Um, but at the end of the day, we're in the business of selling groceries to consumers, and the voice that is the loudest is the consumer. So it matters. It's like voting. If If you don't vote, you don't necessarily get what you want. Um, you go with the masses, but if you do vote, um, all those votes add up to be a lot. So we actually proactively like getting that feedback. We have a website. That's just www.safeway.com. And within that website, there is a, you know, a contact us um, link to it. And within there, um, you know, you can actually recommend products that you would like to see us carry. You can make comments as to, I would like you to do this or I'd like you to do that. We also have a toll-free number, 1-888-SAFEWAY, um, that um, you know, is, is staffed to, to handle consumer issues, consumer concerns, consumer compliments, consumer complaints. Um, so we welcome the feedback. We also have a full set of social media um, you know, associated pieces. So we've got a Facebook and, and Twitter, and people are more than welcome to follow us and respond um, you know, how they would like uh, to, to see what we're doing. We also, as Mike mentioned earlier, have a full CSR page. So when you go onto the Safeway.com website, if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see a link to sustainability, and that will take you to a whole blowout page or section that's just specific to our CSR efforts. And um, you know, CSR is the heart of Safeway. It's our corporate social responsibility effort, and sustainability is one component of that. Absolutely. Tell us just a little bit more about something I know you've been involved in, and that's the Sustainability Consortium. In the two minutes we have left, tell us about how that your involvement in that organization has shaped what we've been talking about today. 
Well, the honest answer, it hasn't shaped um, anything yet. Um, we believe the Sustainability Consortium, which we're an active member on, and it's really an industry, and, and I mean, the government's participating, and non-government organizations are participating. It's where we believe and we hope the science comes um, that gets all of us, meaning industry members, aligned on where the hotspots are and what we are going to do about addressing them. So to us, it's the collaboration where all the companies get together and kind of we leverage each other's resources and we identify the problem areas that we think we can collectively go out and fix. So it's, you know, it's a few years old and we've seen tremendous progress over the last six months. But to be honest, it hasn't shaped anything yet, but we hope it is a major force in, um, you know, how we attack some of these key sustainability hotspot areas and how we go about solving for them in the future. Fantastic. I'm glad you guys are involved because uh, I'm sure you have a lot to bring to the table with some of the innovations that you've been working on. Well, gentlemen, I thank you so much for joining us on Go Green Radio. Uh, I personally will be shopping at my local Safeway uh, this weekend, and so I wish you all a great week. Folks, if you have any feedback on today's show, be sure and send it to me. The easiest way is to grab me at Twitter at, at Jill Buck, or you can email me at gogreenradio at gmail.com. We'll be back same time, same place again next week. Until then, have a great week. And- Go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.